Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Also sponsored by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. A fraternal financial organization, Hector, will help you plan for your family's future. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 158, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We have a lot to discuss here on this episode. We will, of course, talk a little cowboys as they head into their bye weekend. We've got... Cowboys insider Clarence Hill Jr. that will join us at some point. ESPN NFL insider Ed Werder is going to jump on with us, which is a great time to talk to him because, man, those trade rumors with Deshaun Watson are fiery hot right now. So we'll get into that. Got a little trip around the block we'll have some fun with. But as always, let's start you off telling you about the greatness of Robert Greening. If you've been hurt in a car accident, if you were like me and you were just minding your own business and somebody's like, no, I want to run the light and you hit smash into them and it jacks up your back, then you might want to give him a call and be like, hey, man, uh, can you help me out here? And, and, and let him fight that legal battle for you. Really, the, the green team, as they call his staff, Robert Greening, green team, they are your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Well, the thing that they do, man, is they ask you and tell you all the questions you need to ask that you might not even know what to ask. And the other thing is, and I tell people this all the time. It doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone and call them if you have an incident. Because here's what happens. You call them. You say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? And they say one of two things, literally. Yes, we think we can take you on as a client. Or no, we don't think it's quite a good fit. That's as simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything. And uh, if they take you on as a client, hey, check this out, man. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So they work hard because they want everybody to get paid. That's exactly right. Consultations are free. And they only get paid if you get compensated. So give them a call. It's Robert Greening, 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also, of course, Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, 940-453-3490. A fraternal financial organization. If you need some help with your finances, planning for your future, making sure your family's taken care of, you need to give Hector a call and get together with him. And it doesn't cost anything to meet with him. It's a non-fee-based deal with Hector Flores. And see, I think the thing about Hector that you got to understand is they're trying to find you any route you want to go to secure your future. If you're an older guy like me, hey, maybe you don't want to be as aggressive. 
but they can show you a route. If you're a younger guy in your 20s or a woman, hey, they can show you a route to get where you want to go. They ask all the pertinent questions, and then they give you a variety of options to show you. Here's how to get to your end result. There's a bunch of roads you can take. But they all lead to one way, financial security at the end of the road. That's really what we're talking about here. And that's what's so great about Hector is he's the expert here. Your questions about your 401ks and your stocks and bonds and what does it really mean to plan for retirement? Hector can sit down and go through all of that with you. 940-453-3490. And Modern Woodman of America is a, a fraternal benefit society. So what that means is it's a combination of business. They give back to the people that they serve. It's a cycle of positive impact in the community. So give them a call. Get with them. Get your family and your future secure. Hector Flores, 940-453-3490. We do have a lot to discuss, and, and I thought this is interesting because I think sometimes we forget about it. It feels like he's been here for forever now, but he hasn't. And that, of course, it is the anniversary week it was almost, as many of you are listening to this on Friday, October 22nd, 2018, is the exact anniversary of the day that Amari Cooper was traded to the Dallas Cowboys in exchange for a first-round pick. So it has been three years. The three-year anniversary is here, and Coop feels like he's ours now. Oh, there's no doubt about that, man. I mean, you think of him as a Dallas Cowboy, not some import from another team. Um, and I don't think you can lose sight, man, of what a huge impact, yeah, huge impact he's had on the franchise since his arrival. Um, I'm gonna tell you this, Doc. You can talk about, hey, he doesn't show up in the in the big games on the road if you want to. I mean, you can do that if you want to, and you can nitpick this. He only caught this many passes in this game. Is he really a number one receiver? Uh, let me tell y'all something, man. He changed Dak Prescott's trajectory of his career. And he changed this offense because he gave this offense a true, legit number one receiver. Dak has been great almost since Cooper showed up. And um, the offense has been a lot better since he showed up. Yeah, and it's one of those things like somebody had the breakdown once of how much more effective Zeke was when Amari Cooper is on the field. And part of that is because you have to respect exactly what it is that he's doing. You, you have to be fully well aware that Amari Cooper is on the field and somebody has to account for him. And, and we've talked about that before as well. I mean, part of the reason why Gallup has had some success at times and even CeeDee Lamb to a degree is because, generally speaking, the other team's number one corner is going to be on Amari Cooper. So that means you've got a dude like a Lamb or a Gallup who in some cases are going up against the two or the, even the third best cornerback that the other team has. And those guys are better than, that le than the equivalent level. Oh, there's no doubt about that, man. And, he, and, you know, he takes a lot of coverage. He takes a lot of double teams. He's just such an integral factor in terms of what they're doing on offense. And so I always like to wonder, like, why do you trade a guy like that? I mean, he's a first-round pick. He was productive with the Raiders. And too many coaches, to me, don't take this into account. If you've been around Amari Cooper at all, and I actually have, have been fortunate enough to be around him quite a bit um, when the star was open and we were out there all the time. He's a very thoughtful, intelligent dude. He's also a very quiet dude. He doesn't really say a lot unless he has something to say. You can certainly misinterpret that as a lack of fire sometimes because he's not he's just not a, a real vocal guy. And I think if you look at um, John Gruden being the coach, I think a lot of why Amari Cooper's gone is he just misinterpreted his his quietness and his stoicness and his personality for a lack of fire 
and lack of desire and traded him. And, uh, dude, the way he's fought through injuries and played in yeah. Dallas, there's no lack of fire or desire. It's just he's a different kind of dude. You know, he's into, he's into chess. He's into reading books. You know, he's a multifaceted guy. It's not just football. And if you don't understand that, then you won't come at him the right way. And I think that's part of the reason why he's no longer in Oakland. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. And you and I, we talked about this with Archer, I think, before the season began of what do we think the end result is here with Amari Cooper because of the idea that they can walk away from his contract at the end of the year and Michael Gallup is going to be a free agent. And we figured you're not bringing them both back. Somebody's going to be gone. Either Gallup is going to be here and Cooper's gone or vice versa. And you just continue to pay Cooper the $20 million a year. It's going to be very interesting to see especially since Cooper has missed a chunk of this season with an injury, what they end up deciding to do and how they want to move forward navigating that. You know, that's I don't really have the answer, but it seems like the more I think about it, it seems like Cooper's the better player. And I would probably just keep Cooper. I've already got him under contract. Um, you know, Michael Cooper, Michael Gallup, even if he stays, is going to be a number three guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do You, you can't pay a number three guy, 14, 15, 16 million dollars a year, which is probably, probably what he can get in the open market. Um, and so, you know, I would think Gallup would be the guy who's gone. Although this injury situation with his calf where he's missed five games, his numbers may not be his such at the end of the year and he may not get what he wants and maybe signs, I'm just surmising here, maybe signs a one-year deal in Dallas where I can go make some bread or – he just takes what's behind door number two and takes a little bit lesser of a deal just because this injury shows me how fleeting the game yeah. is. And I just I just need to go get a long term deal with a big life changing signing bonus wherever I can get it. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I mean, you, you, you look at the impact of Amari Cooper and since 2018, since he's been here, he is 10th in the NFL in receptions, which I mean, you look at this. He's had 276. DeAndre Hopkins has had 360. <laughs> And that's, wow. I mean, that's the difference between one and 10. Amari Cooper's top 10, as I just mentioned, since he's been a part of this thing in receptions. He's ninth in receiving yards. Only 12 players have had more receiving touchdowns than him. So, I mean, look, he's he's up there. He's one of the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. But it is interesting because it feels like almost this season especially, and part of this, it goes back to what we were talking about before, with the C.D. Lamb bit is, you know, Amari Cooper's going up most times against the number one cornerback on the other team. So you look at it this year, and you see that target-wise, they're pretty much neck and neck. C.D. Lamb has two more catches. He has about 140 more yards, and he has the exact same amount of receiving touchdowns. But it, it's, I mean, man, if you can find a way to keep these dudes around together, I mean, they... It's hard to say that they don't have the the best receiving duo in the NFL. Oh, shoot. I, I think, um, as I like to say, man, you could argue about that all day long. But they're in whatever conversation you're trying to have about that, yeah. this team is in a conversation with uh, with those two guys. And, and even when Gallup comes back, you want to say your top three receivers or your whole receiver crew if you throw Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown in there. Uh, you know, so they're, they're, um, they're productive. They're going to be productive. It's just a matter of how you want to cut it up and how you see the future going. Do you see Amari continue? I mean, Amari's only 27 years old, though. You know, like, do yeah. you see him be, being um, an impact player through the end of his contract? 
or through the next couple of years of it. And when, you know, it's time to pay CD, then you might be like, okay, we can't have two guys make $20 million. So you got to go. Uh, but that's still, you know, three years off. So there's a lot of decisions to be made there about what to do. But man, you know, the other thing you can't underestimate, which is what we talked about, bro, is what he means to the lot to the wide receiver locker room yeah. or the wide receiver room where they meet. Like, if he's not tripping over targets and yards and touchdowns, what gives you the right to trip over targets and yards and touchdowns? When you see Amari Cooper working a certain way, either to get back from an injury or to work in practice, it makes you want to work a certain way because look how good he is. He's still working. I mean, remember that clip in training camp, man, where CD pulls Amari aside and says, hey, show me your release on that. How do you get open against this look of, you know, when you're at the line of scrimmage and they're trying to do this right. to you? Well, that's invaluable, bro. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're right. And, and I mean, that's invaluable. You know, we're talking about a guy really in his two full seasons with the Cowboys, back-to-back 1,100-yard seasons. And, you know, he doesn't get a gazillion touchdowns. They only had five all of last year. He's got four this year. But, of course, last year, Dak Prescott wasn't playing nearly as many games with him as he will be this year. It's interesting. And I kind of wonder if the Cowboys' mentality when they look at this and looking at the future is one of, we know it's a win-now mentality. And right now, all that matters is the 2021 season. This is a really, really good football team. But I don't know if you're looking, even if you don't get to the promised land this year, how much farther down the road you're actually looking with the belief that you still have a core group of players that you can win with in the next, I think, max of three years. Like, like if they don't get it this year, you 22, maybe 23, and then you're going to have to figure out how to reopen a totally different window with the whole group, but like a, a different core group of players. Well, yeah, and that's why you got to continue to draft well. Like, CeeDee Lamb will be part of that next core group. Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So will this, – but this this is what you're talking about when you talk about you got to draft well. So will Michael Parsons. Mm-hmm. So will Trayvon Diggs. And you hope a Diggy Zua and Colston and that group. Um, but you got to draft well to make that happen because, like, the Van Der Esch class, he ain't, that group ain't going to be part of it. You know no. what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this upcoming draft, you got to hit on it again. And if they're as good as we think they are, you got to hit on it drafting from a much worse drafting position. Uh, so it's uh, it's tricky for the Cowboys. And again, man, that's why they 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 should be in all in win now mode because they really have a team capable of doing it. They have a year where there's no you know team that you go, oh my god, you can't beat them. They're they're by far the best team, right? Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so this this dude is this can't be a year that ends up like oh seven, fourteen, or sixteen. This has to be a year where you you make a run. And by for me, when I say make a run, you gotta get to the MC championship game, be playing for a spot in the Super Bowl for us to be like, Yeah, y'all did the damn thing. Man, it, it, you know, this this version of the Cowboys this year in twenty twenty one, it's fun and it's interesting because I mean, I've had a ton of people out here in Alabama. I had guys at the station today like, dude, this 5-1 start, like, I mean, is this, like, like how's people feeling? Like, is Dallas going crazy? And I was like, well, yeah, yes and no, because you have to remember, I mean, we've, we've had this before. I mean, we had 2016, and we had really, for me, you know, the, the year, what was that, 07, the year where they lost to the Giants in the divisional round? Yeah. Or no, that was 09, 09, when right. they went 13-3 and three and they lost to the Giants in the divisional round, that was really the year that I thought, oh, my God, like, this is it. Like, we're, we're really good. And that was such a stunning loss in the divisional round. You know, and, and, like, even in 14 when they lost to the Packers on the road, and I bring this up all the time, I mean, say Des scores, 
I don't know why anybody thinks that Aaron Rodgers doesn't win the game with the five minutes remaining in that game that there was. True that, true that, true that. But in our memories, we all think, well, if Dad just catches that, the Cowboys win, the game's over. But there was still over five minutes left in that game. And, you know, Aaron, that's way too much time for Aaron Rodgers. But for whatever reason, this this feels as good a chance for something to really happen as that 09 year did. And, and really 14, too, because Tony was was so good in 2014, and they had such an incredible balance on offense of how they wanted to attack you to where he wasn't right. forcing a lot of stuff and could really pick you apart, or they could beat you with the run, kind of like what we're seeing with Dak in this version of the offense. Well, see, I think um, I think just the difference, and we've had a lot of good conversations about it, uh, the offense. The difference is this unit seems much deeper to me when you bring – Cedric Wilson off the bench. And Cedric Wilson, if you think about it, he's made several plays since Gallup's been gone. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like he just flashed once and said, oh, there's my play. Even a guy like Noah Brown, I think, has got three catches of 20 yards or more, uh, which is kind of a big number for a guy that doesn't get a lot of targets. And so when you just look at the depth on offense with Pollard and with Zeke and with the two tight ends, and uh, you just go, they, they can withstand an injury. Or two, as we've seen with Lyle Collins and Michael Gallup and others, uh, Neville Gallimore. And so it, that's why, to me, the fact that they've got the depth and got quality depth and the fact that, you know, it seems like it's falling right with them, man. Like they're missing, you know, when they play teams, some, you know, Christian McCaffrey's missing for the Panthers, um, you know, and. It just feels like the karma's working right for them in terms of they don't have a lot of injuries, per se, uh, of guys who've been playing this year. And when you put all that together, man, you just got to make a run this year because you don't have a lot of magical seasons where everything falls right for you and you got talent. You're right. It's a fun one, so enjoy it and and enjoy the bye weekend. I mean, it's kind of nice to have from time to time. I don't mind, like, if they play a Thursday night or a Monday night and you actually get a little bit of time on Sunday. But before we move into a trip around the block, let's tell you about a, one of our sponsors here, of course, Aaron, his crew at HFX Foundation Solutions, a full service foundation repair company. They take care of all of the DFW area. So if you are starting to know and you see some of those signs, cracks, sticking doors, sloped floors, you've seen some soil wash out, any of these things that start to raise your concerns, I would pick up the phone and call immediately. It's a free inspection. We've been telling you guys about this for a while now. This is one of those things. Keep this number handy so that the moment you start noticing some of those things, you get it taken care of right then. Well, it's important to get it taken care of right then, man, because then hopefully it costs you a heck of a lot less if you've got a problem than taking care of it later. And the other thing is if you have a free inspection, and that's what HFX does, is they'll come out here, and if they give you a clean bill of health, then, man, you ain't got to worry about nothing for a long time. You can enjoy football Sundays without worrying. I'm like, am I not going to be able to pay for my TV uh, uh, Sunday subscription next year because I got to get this house done? No, you don't have to worry about none of that, man. That's right. It's 817-770-0174. It is HFX Foundation Solutions. They are A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. Make sure you give them a call if you start noticing these signs, guys. It it is your opportunity up front to save what could cost you thousands of dollars in damages later on. Catch these drainage and foundation issues early. HFXFoundation.com online or again, 
817-770-0174. So as we get set to take this trip around the block, as always, I, I'd like to remind you, if you are interested and would like to become a sponsor, we're always trying to look for new sponsors and, and find good fits. If you've got a local business or feel like you've got something that could use a little help, let us know and maybe it'll work out. You can shoot me an email, matt at jamsessionpodcast.com. Easy to do that. But you sent me the story and, and I read this as like, I saw the headline. I was like, man, I'm actually surprised this doesn't happen more often. It's very sad. I mean, it's sad, but at the you same know, time. It's so sad. I almost didn't send it to you. But I, I just, I mean, I, in some forms, I'm like, I mean, what do we expect? And, and it's sad because of her age. She's a 20 year old lacrosse player at Tufts University. Her name is right, Maddie right. Nickpon. She died after choking to death during a hot dog eating contest. Dude. And I just thought, you know, I mean, honestly, like I'm not being facetious. I am stunned that we don't see more stories like that. And it's one thing to be these guys like your Joey Chestnuts of the world who train for this and do this all the time. It's another thing for, and they have eating contests all the time. I mean, hell, I was at a brewery last weekend and they had a hot pepper eating contest. Well, see, I think you said the key word right there, and I'm being serious about this. Like, I don't think your average person understands the training, yeah, literal training that a Joey Chestnut does or some other people who are professional eaters do to acclimate their body to the stress that you put it under and to, you know, widen their esophagus and do all these other things that make them – you know, these these people who are able to do these feats. I think most people just go, oh, I'm a big guy or I'm this and let me go try to do it. I could do yeah. that. And it's a it's bigger deal than that, bro. It is, man. And, and and that's why you see these things. And man, there are all kinds of eating contests. All kinds. Hell, I mean, I remember being, I think it was on the ticket. Some I can't remember who it does. I think Killer. Killer would try like every July 4th around then would see how many hot dogs he could eat. You know, it's yeah. just some dude. I mean, you know, people do this all the time everywhere. There are random eating contests everywhere you go. And I'm just, I mean. So I, there's I, like a technique, like how you're supposed to drink some water with it and how you're supposed to do the right. bread and the hot dog. It's not just I'm going to eat a hot dog. No, man, that's no, like man. some real skill. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's true. There's some real skill involved in how to effectively do it, one, so you don't choke, and two, so you can consume as much as possible in the shortest period of time. Yeah, that stuff freaks me out, man. I mean, I, I would not mess with that at all. You know, it, it was like the, the hot pepper eating contest. The lady, she was like, hey, you should do that. You like spicy. like, hell no. I was like, you know, I mean, they're probably putting peppers that I'll have it in a beer. I might have it sprinkled on something. Yeah. I'm not eating the straight pepper. You can get blisters and stuff on yourself. Dude, you know, it's I don't know why we do this, but our society does a lot of stuff like this, man. And and we take it to the max. And occasionally, because we've taken it to the max, tragedies occur. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know what it is. I guess it's the the world in which we live in where you want to do all these things so you can post it somewhere so people can see what you did. I think that's some of it. It's the thrill of victory and excitement. People like to be known for doing something. Um, and I think just people get off. I mean, you know, like, I mean, there's just all sorts of things, man. <laughs> See, I even look at bungee jumping. It's crazy. Like, okay, you're tied to this cord. Yeah, no, I've done that, but I did that when I was like 17, 16 years old, something yeah. like that. But even that's crazy to me, man. Like there's a less than a 1% chance something goes wrong, but. <laughs> well, now I would never do. I mean, it's like jumping out. Like I would never skydive at this point in my life. Yeah. If it does, it's like, huh. 
Okay. But I think, you know, when you're younger, that sense of mortality hasn't set in yet. Ah, nah, man. That's why, you know, I used to tell my, uh, uh, we used to talk about it all the time in the sense of, I used to tell my friends this, like, if you got kids, until they're about 10, they damn near try to kill themselves once a day. Pretty much. Yep. (laughs) And when they're like less than five, they definitely try to kill themselves once a day, perhaps multiple times a day. Hey, look at me jump off the stairs. Like, dude, what are you doing? And so it's because they have no concept of, of fear and death and all that stuff that we have as we get older. So, yeah, you know, that's why your kids drive crazy in your car because they're young and think they'll live forever. Yeah, you don't realize how quickly all of it goes by. I mean, there, there's stuff, you know, I mean, everybody does that. You, you, you settle down, your brain fully develops and all that at some point in your mid-20s and you start to realize that, you know, it's kind of cool just to hang out at your house every night. Yeah, there's the there's nothing world. wrong with that. <laughs> That's just how it is. But yeah, I mean, I see story like that, and and I don't know. It's just one of those things. I've always wondered how in the world you don't see people choking more in these eating contests. I really just think it's well, you know, the professional contests they really they really train, but all the other ones, man, it's just blind luck, bro. And while there's not a lot of people who, fortunately, there's not a lot of people who die from it. Bro, I bet you there's a ton of people who get sick as hell from it. There's got to be. I mean, see, and that's another thing. Like, I don't know how in the world you eat all that stuff and don't immediately puke all over yourself. That's what I'm saying. That has, you know, clearly it appeals to a lot of people. It has never, ever appealed to me for that very reason. Like, that just seems so incredibly gross. Yeah, see, I, that reminds me, it was the Bush Push game. I can look it up. I forget the exact date, but it was the Notre Dame-USC game, and, and that's the game when uh, USC with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush beat Brady Quinn and Notre Dame on the Bush push where they were trying right at the last second. And whoa, did you move your phone? Oh shit. Good Lord. That was, that flared up on me. Ah, yes. So it was October 15th, 2005. Right. And I lived in Gainesville, Florida at the time. And I was watching that game with somebody that I knew that, me and him at some sports bar in Gainesville. And we had been there for a long time. I mean, we had been there and watched that whole game. And I think a game before that, we'd been drinking most of the day. We'd been eating some wings. And we had gotten, you know how you can order like a, like a, a thing of like 50 wings or whatever? Yeah. So we had ordered that and been working on it. And I don't know why, but somebody at the bottom of it was all the wing juice and grease and stuff. Ah. And somebody goes, hey, dude, I'll pay your bar tab if you'll drink that. And so at the time, I'm like, again, this is 16 years ago. So right, I'm in my, right. I'm, I think at the time, how old was I? I was tw- in my mid-20s. So I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Free bar tab. So, of course, I drink it. And it's not, it's, it's kind of nasty. And then I start realizing, oh, man, you know. But I, I ended up getting my bar tab paid for. But I, I would, I'll, I mean, I'll never forget. That. Every time I hear the bush push, I think of that because of how... <laughs> <laughs> like like sickly I got of you know just ugh, it, I felt horrible for the rest of the night and halfway through the next morning my stomach just I could not get it to calm down after that Dude. yeah <laughs> and that's why like you telling you know talking about eating and getting sick it immediately reminded me of that in that bush push game because that's exactly what I did that one time <laughs> You know, we've all, I don't, don't, have you ever done anything like that? Not that, but, you know, Tony Roma's, Roma, remember the rib place? Right. 
they used to have, there used to be a, much more of them. And they used to do this thing where you could eat this giant ass burger. And it was, you know, it was one of those eating contests. You got an hour to eat this and all that. And when I was in high school, me and a couple of my friends, I attempted it. And I think I got like three fourths of the way through. And then, at the, you know, it's the same thing where you feel sick, you're stuffed, you've way, you've massively overeaten trying to shove this giant ass burger into your <laughs> little belly. Nah, man, I've, I've seen some people try it, but I've, I've never, I've never had the confidence that I could do it. And so I've just never, no, nah, I've never done it. Yeah. I and, and thought about it. You know, now I don't ever do stuff like that. I mean, that, that's where it, I mean, hell it took a few years, you know, when I was younger and I was growing like as a teenager and whatnot, I'd, I'd eat like crazy. And you just burn it off. And, and then I remember we'd go to Thanksgiving and I'd be like 30 years old or whatever. And my relatives would be like, oh, Matt, we made extra for you. I was like, I mean, I'm, I don't eat like that. And then you, you just get, <laughs> oh, you don't want more? I mean, I thought you were going to eat more. What's going on? It's like, what do you mean? What's, I'm not 17. <laughs> I'm not trying to stuff myself. And now, to, now with Thanksgiving and stuff like that, you know, because right. people overeat at the holidays. You know, I really try to be mindful of that and, and, I don't feel like I need to gorge myself or pile everything onto my plate and eat a ton of it because I don't want to feel like crap all day. Yeah, and I've, I've evolved into that as I've gotten uh, older and, and tried to be more fit and healthier. Like, you know, I was having this conversation uh, a couple of days ago. Like, I used to eat till I was full. Then it became, I used to eat till I was, you know, comfortable. And now I eat until I'm good, which is like less than full, not even close to full. It's just like I'm good and I've had enough. And uh, move on. And But it's weird because I didn't start off like that. It just kind of evolved into that. And there's no set amount of food. The only thing that's funny is when I'm good and I take that extra bite because maybe it's something that's really good. And you go, man, that's just, yeah. I just need that. And you go, well, damn, that was literally one bite too many. Yeah, I mean, there are times now like, well, we're, we'll eat something. And afterwards, I'm like, man, I'm still hungry. I'm like, well, you know what? Let's give it a bit and see. You know, and then I might give like another 30, 45 minutes. And if I'm still hungry, I'm like, okay, like I, I need to eat more. Like I, but I've gotten a lot better just because I don't like the way it makes you feel. Like overeating is one of the most uncomfortable feelings. And I see you talk to a farm fat guy. <laughs> I know so, I am. That's right. So it used to not be an uncomfortable feeling, but that's why I'm like now, man. Like I went out to lunch the other day, man, and I left like, four shrimp and a wing on the plate <laughs> because and it was actually very good but i was like i'm good I, you know i don't want to be full i don't i don't like being full yeah. anymore um and i really don't like being full at a certain point in the day because if you eat too much at night you just wake up and you're still full or bloated or you don't i like waking up feeling really light in the morning so i really don't even eat that much after you know five six o'clock most yeah. of the time I mean, it, it's, it truly is the way to do it, but it, it can be difficult at times. So that was something fun to go through. We also had, I wanted to throw this out there because I think a lot of you know that I have been kind of, I, I had that goal of reading 26 books this year. Well, I just finished book number 23 this morning. Wow. So I am way ahead. I've got 10 weeks left in the year, roughly, to read three more books so at my current pace, I mean, I think I might be able to hit 28 or 29. I was going to say, man, you're, uh, you're at the point where you're just reading, man. We'll see, what, we'll see what the number is at the end of the race. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I got the new John Grisham, which came out on Tuesday, and I read it in two days. Damn, was it that good? Oh, man, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic, and I, I zipped through it. 
And what's wild is, I mean, everybody I think that listens and has been listening for the last few years with us, I like streaks. Like, I like seeing streaks broken, whether it's for good or bad or whatever. Well, I read on a Kindle and or the Kindle app on my iPad. And so it keeps, they're called reading insights. And it'll show you how many days in a row you've read and how many weeks in a row and stuff. Well, my all-time record for days in a row is 61. And I'm currently at 41 days in a row. And so I was like, man. And so that motivates me. Like every day I want to make sure I read something. (laughs) So the next book that I'm going to get is the new Jack Reacher book, but that doesn't come out until next Tuesday. So I've got to find a book because I thought it might take me a week to read the John Grisham, but I read it so fast that now I've got to find a new book. Well, I read this morning, but I need a book for the weekend to get me through the weekend so that I can keep my reading number streak intact. Damn, bro. You're killing it. Hey, man, you know, I'm the McGuire of reading. I want to break 61. But I want to do it legally. I'm not going to use anything that I shouldn't be putting no, in my body. As we no just had that, that for you. No, not for me. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like I need eye steroids. And I'm just plowing through all these pages and pages. But yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about this before. But next week is the new Jack Reacher, and then the following week is the new Harry Bosch. That first week of November, and I mean, I'll probably read the Harry Bosch book in two days. Damn. Because I love that. I love Harry Bosch. And that's one of those where I'll read, you know, those books are usually 400 pages long. So I'll, I'll probably read like 200 pages one day and 200 pages the next and call it, and that'll be it. Dude, that's, that's I mean. And just plow through that's it. I know. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I love it, man. I mean, I just get lost in it. Like I read, part of the reason why I knocked it out this morning is we had storms that came through here early in the morning. So I was up at 530. And right. so I read from about six to eight. I read a couple hours this morning, just knocked out the rest of the book that I had. So, <laughs> yeah, and then I, you know, I, it's, I don't know. I, I, I highly enjoy it. And, and that's one thing that I've discovered that I really like about setting this goal of hitting a certain number of books is it, you know, in, in years past, I would be like, oh, is there a Grisham I want to read? Or I'd wait for the next Jack Reacher or something like that. This has really pushed me to just read different things which I've always enjoyed nonfiction, but I've, I've read stuff this year that I don't think I would have read if I hadn't, I was like, well, I got, you know, I need to get a book in, I need to keep it going. And I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of different books that I've come across this year. What's your favorite? Man, that's an interesting question. My favorite book that I have read so far this year. I mean, there's been, man, that's, and I say that because there's been so many different ones, probably, okay, I know what it is. I know what it is. It was Project Hail Mary, the new Andy Weir that came out in July that I read. And that was a book about, and it's a novel, it was fiction, but it was a book about how Earth was losing, or no, the, the what was it? The atmosphere was not being as protected. Or no, 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 I remember what it was. It was this this alien bacteria that had been introduced to our solar system and was eating the sun. And so the sun was losing its power and at its current rate, like into the future that we would become an ice planet and everybody would die off. And so it was, how do we discover how to fix it? And, and they send a guy into deep space outside of our solar system into other parts of our galaxy towards the nearest planet and just he discovers this alien being and stuff that is nothing like any alien being that you would ever possibly imagine i thought it was genius wow 
Yeah, and it was I, a I, lot of moving parts, dude. Right I there, could bro. not put that book down. That book was was really? almost six hundred pages, and I read it in like three days. Jeez. I mean, it was incredible. I just I just thought it was one of the most realistic, now fiction, but realistic portrayals of how things are happening with light cell technology and our ability to move through the universe and things like that and just doing some different things that I liked. My favorite nonfiction book was the book about the Secret Service, The Rise and Fall of the Secret Service. I, 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 that one was awesome. You know what? I felt like you were going to say that. Yeah. That one I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Dave Grohl's book. I thought Dave Grohl had, he tells it in his own voice, and he had some really interesting stories about when he was with Nirvana and going through the whole Kurt Cobain thing and all that. And he's just a super passionate guy who, you know, I don't think people realize he spent a handful of years just living on a van touring with some random band that nobody had ever heard of unless you were super into that weird part of music. And he never made a lot of money, you know, and he described how for five, six years starting out after he dropped out of high school to pr pursue music, but he was cool with it because he was getting them to do his passion every day. Dude, that's what it's all about, man. Yeah, and, and he never, I mean, this is a guy that to this day wears vans, jeans, and a t-shirt, and he's worth like $200 million or whatever. Well, it's all about finding your passion and your purpose and how do you get there. Yeah, and he how had some that. really cool stories. If if you're a Dave Grohl slash Foo Fighters fan at all, I thought that was a really good book. And, you know, there's been some interesting books. That one about the Buddha brain I was telling you about was good. I read I Think Like a Monk. I think that was this year. That might have been last year. I read so many books, it's hard to know, like, which ones were this year. I'll have to go and look. True day. Maybe at the end of the year, we'll do a my books in review year and go through all 26 or something. And I'll just throw them out real quick. Wow. Yeah, I think I'm at uh, I, I pale in comparison to you. But for me, it's been a big year because I'm at about 10 or 12. Yeah. But I go through stretches where I do a lot and then a stretch like now where I don't do a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I just get into it. And that's one of the things like I, I wake up early in the morning on purpose. so I can have some just peace and quiet time to myself before life starts i guess you know and i'll just go out on the couch and i like to drink my water and and then i always, i mean i have my routine and and it just i don't know once you get in that routine like my routine is i wake up i drink 28 ounces of water right when i wake up and i'm sitting on the couch reading and then i i drink a cup of coffee and once i get through all that whatever normally on a normal morning whatever i do after that i meditate for a little bit and then I start prepping for my show out here and, and coming into my office and doing all that. I don't normally read for two hours every morning like I did today, but I was like, man, I just, I can't put this down. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, I don't know. I enjoy it. I'm a big reader. What can I say? All right. Before we get into our conversation with Clarence Hill Jr., let us tell you as much as I love reading, I probably love craft beer even more. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I know where the library of craft beer, so to speak, is, where you can go and find all sorts of different beers. You can check them out. You can see which one you like. You can get each one individually in singles, and that is Beer Geek Shop in downtown Rockwall. Right off the square, it is local. It is family-owned. Jason and Deidre, they're fantastic people, man. And you know what? We might as well tell everybody, because you only got about a week left to get this. So Beer Geek's shop has been with us since the – I mean, they were with us on the radio. Yeah. And as many of you know, they sponsored the Justice Sip segment that we did for a long time, and they have been a sponsor since day one of the podcast. Well, they have got some some plans that they are working on, and they will no longer be able to sponsor the podcast 
So their sponsorship is coming to an end and at the end of the month, at the end of October. So this is your final time. This version of the Jam Session six-pack is going to be the last one for a while. It'll, it'll be, you know, we, they may come back at some point, but it's going to be a while before they're able to, to swing it again. So get out and support these guys the way that you've supported them. They, they've got bigger and better plans, and they've got some stuff in the works that's really cool. But this is going to do it at the end of the month for them with us for right now. I'm still going to support them. I mean, I'll still be swinging by every time I'm in town visiting my parents and whatnot. But yeah, this absolutely. is it. That th- this version of the Jam Session six pack is the final one. So if you've never gotten it, and I actually think it's the best one, I would make your way out to downtown Rockwall and and just thank them for us and say thanks for supporting it and pick up some beers, man. Get that Jam Session six pack with the the pumpkin beers and the, the beer from Siren Rock and 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 make it happen. Nah, man, Beer Greeks has been great. Uh, they've greatly enhanced my knowledge of craft beer, especially Deidre. Uh, introducing me to a bunch of different tastes and styles, man. And they can do the same thing for you. Um, you know, it's if you're a novice, Deidre's great about finding something that your palate appreciates. If you're a veteran, she's great about introducing you to something you haven't tried before or haven't even thought about trying before. Uh, she's an expert at it. Um, I've never had a bad beer out there because she's that good at matching them with your personality and what you like. And, uh, you know, I'm with Matt, man. Go out there and support them because they have been great to us. And... Uh, even Jacques will be out there from time to time looking for some stouts. That's true. So that Jam Session six-pack, again, it is good through the month of October. You got nine days left to get it. Six beers that we hand-selected, all available for the price of nineteen ninety-nine at Beer Geek Shop in downtown Rockwall. Also, of course, Blue Star Motor Group. Blue Star Motor Group at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Have you, have you gone? Have you been? Have you checked it out? <laughs> you should have if you haven't. Yeah, why haven't you? You're like, well, I'm not looking for a car. Neither am I, and I go there every time we talk about it. <laughs> you go there so that when you go look for a car, you know exactly what you want and exactly what you can get and exactly within reason about how much you got to pay because Deb and Mike, man, it's all about the win-win, baby. I mean, I, it, it's it's amazing to me because you talk about superior quality. They got a 2017 Porsche. They got a 2021 Cadillac Escalade. They got a 2019 Ford Super Duty F250. And I'm talking about superior quality. Now, they're pre-owned. Sure. They're Carfax certified. They've got vehicles ranging all over the place on here. I mean, that Cadillac Escalade is loaded, friends. It is loaded. They've got cars on their website right now from the 20,000s all the way over to the 110,000s. So no matter what your budget, no matter what you're looking for, they have it for you at bluestarmotorgroup.com. And if you have any questions or if somehow you're on here and you're like, man, it's not quite what I wanted, I would shoot Deb a text. Let her know, hey, I heard about you on the Jam Session podcast and I'm curious. I've been looking for this. She'll get right back to you. It's very easy to contact her. 817-881-4066. They're local. They're family. They love the Jam Session podcast. They're big listeners of what we do, and they're going to help you out, man. If you let them know you heard about them on Jam Session, I promise you they're going to get you taken care of and find you the deal you're looking for. Dude, they're great, and they're all about the win-win, man. And don't forget, Deb's a deal maker. She ain't got to check with nobody. She ain't got to ask nobody. She, y'all got a deal, whether it's buying a car or selling a car. All you got to do is call her, text her, go make it happen, because she can make it happen. Holy crap, I just saw this. This thing is badass looking. So this is a 2012 Chevrolet Corvette two-door coupe Grand Sport 3-liter 
It barely has 15,000 miles on it. See, that's my kind of ride right there. And they've got it for under $44,000. Showroom quality car. Damn, this thing is slick looking. Oh, yeah, brother. I mean, that is nice. It is, I mean, it is red. It's got like the 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 silver little stripe on the hood. I mean, this, okay. So, go get it. 817-881-4066. It's Deb with Blue Star Motor Group. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. It is time we do it every week to check in with longtime Cowboys beat writer. You know him well from the Fort Worth Star Telegram. Clarence Hill Jr. joining us here now. And chill, here they are. It's the bye week. They're 5-1, and one, coming off a kick-ass win over New England in Foxborough. What are we making of this 5-1 and one Cowboys team right now? Well, first off, you know, we don't ever forget. I just wanted to know the Dak Prescott can throw for 400 yards and win. Can we, can we get that out the way real quick? Yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> show them really bulls for stats out the window. You can throw for 400 yards and win, okay? Don't just look at the stats and say 400 yards, you lose. Run. It depends on the game, okay? You can throw for 400 yards and win. But no, uh, that that was a great win because uh, certainly this is not the, the Patriots team of, of old. You, it, it certainly was a, a – a challenging win for the Cowboys considering everything they did to themselves and everything they had to overcome, including uh, the, the officials in that game. And for them to statistically completely dominate the game, but yet things didn't go this way and they still had to fall and everything else to get a win at the end. And you never thought they would lose. I mean, they never thought they would lose. I thought at third and 25, you get a uh, a holding and a, and a personal foul on the same play. I'm like, oh, my God, after you've overcome a fourth and four and – that goes back and, and throws a 24-yard pass with no, you know, just, just like it was nothing. You get them back in field goal range, and certainly at, at that point there, there was no question the Cowboys would win that game. Uh, uh, it was a good win. I mean, it was a, it was a stepping stone, as, as, as uh, Mike McCarthy said, said after the game, it was something they need to put back in their memory bank so when they have tougher games down the stretch, they know they can overcome these things. Your 5-1 Cowboys are one of the best teams in football right now. Wow. I don't think we any of us saw that coming, man. No, um, no not, not, not the beginning of the season, certainly. Why do you think they're 5-1? and one? Well, number one is Dak Prescott. He's amazing. You know, and, and, and we – we I, I don't know if – certainly they were confident. I don't know if anybody could have expected Dak to become – after what he went through last year and what he went through in camp, to come in and, and play lights out and – better than he has ever in life uh, through the first six games of the season. No no one saw this coming, you know, and, and he's doing that. And then you add in, you know, what they're doing on defense. Certainly no one saw what Trevon Diggs is doing. It's, it's amazing. It's just, you know, we, we can argue about primetime how we want to. He's making primetime difference, making plays for that defense. And, and we haven't seen someone who can catch the ball and it, it, these are not Larry Brown interceptions. Let's be honest about this. This dude is, is making plays on the ball. These are not just gifts. You know, he, he he's making plays on the ball and, and, and taking it to the house like nobody's business, nobody we've seen around here since, since prime time. And, and it, just to think that they're doing this and they're still not at full strength. There's, I mean, that, that's the crazy part is what the Cowboys have done, how well they play, how they have not blinked on the offensive line with Terrence Steele. you got to lay all Collins back how they really have not blinked on a defense line, you know, without 
Demarcus Lawrence, and he's coming back. You say what you will about Demarcus Lawrence, not having double digit sack. Demarcus Lawrence is a player. Okay, he's still a dominant player, one of the best players on his team, uh, on his defense, and they've done this without him. Uh, they've done this without Neville, Neville Gallimore coming back. I mean, you know, as well as they played, there's legitimate reason they have room to get better, and that's what Cowboys fans should be excited about. Yeah, and they get that's what's interesting about this stretch of the season is because, and we've kind of talked about this before, but coming out of the bye, I mean, you've, you've got an opportunity if you can get some of these guys back in the next couple of weeks where you can kind of integrate them in against teams that you should beat. I mean, you should beat Minnesota, Denver, and Atlanta. Well, you, Minnesota's going to be a tough game. That's a tough out. Let's not, let's not you know, and, and, and the thing about it is you get excited. I mean, there's nowhere they're going undefeated the rest of the way. I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't think they will. I don't think they will. Minnesota will be a tough game. They're a good team. Uh, they're playing well right now. They have two good receivers. They're going to challenge the Cowboys' pass defense. You know, they're and they got a good running back. They are going to challenge the Cowboys' running game. The question is, you know, again, can Minnesota stop the Cowboys in a high-scoring game? And you know, who you trust at the end? You know, Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. But this won't be an easy game. It's going to be a challenging game. On the road, that's a tough place to play. But certainly after that, you have Denver, you have Atlanta, you have Kansas City that's trying to get right. You know, you got Oakland, a Raiders team that, that certainly, you know, has its own issues. Uh, the Saints aren't who we thought they were. I mean, we, we may be, you know, then you have that, that tough December stretch with, with all those Division games on the road, but again, we don't respect the division, right? But there will be tough games. You know, I just don't see them going undefeated, but I do think the Cowboys have a chance to compete for home field advantage, and that will be important because you don't want to go to Green Bay. You really don't want to go back to Tampa Bay. I don't think you mind going to, to Arizona or, or L.A., but, you know, uh, that's going to be interesting. You know, they, they, they will have a chance to compete for home field advantage throughout the playoffs if they can see the players they are. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, with that is if you get that with only one team getting the bye, I mean, if you can be the one seed, then you get that one bye where you can have one win and you're in the NFC title game. Yeah, there's no doubt, and you, and you want that. But, you know, you, you just, you know, let's not put the cart before the horse, you know. <laughs> you know, as would always, you know, it's funny because this is, this is typical Cowboys, and maybe that's part of this season because nothing is as it should be, you know, you know, the, the Dak Prescott getting injured in training camp was out of the blue and turning was a setback, but somehow they overcame. All these guys being injured and, and on the COVID list, it, it wasn't a problem. And now you think the Cowboys are feeling good and riding high, and then Dak Prescott's hurt, and now, you know, you got a cornerback, I mean, a safety that gets popped for DUI. You know, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just one of those seasons where the Cowboys will just overcome everything. But, you know, the the the, the – Strain cab is concerning. You know, it's, it's on the same leg with, with the fractured ankle. And, and and certainly, you know, the fractured ankle is not an issue. But, you know, th there's still something to be concerned with. Dak Prescott's legs are a bigger part of his game. You look at the touchdown pass. He's, he's on the move. He, he's great outside the pocket. That's part of who he is, not just a pocket passer. So so he needs to be at 100% to, to maximize his abilities as a quarterback. I think he can play through it. But will he be at his best? I don't know. No, I think uh, I think it's interesting. I think uh, I think we're a lot of folks are downplaying the calf. Like, oh, it's no big deal. He should be ready to go against Minnesota. And I'm gonna need to see a little more that first week uh, that they're back to see if that's the case. But I think the best thing they got going for them is they're such a good team that if they play their A game, it's just hard to beat them. And when you look at the advantage that they have at quarterback most weeks, 
it's really hard to beat them the way the schedule's falling. So I think uh, I think home field advantage in the NFC should be the goal for them, and uh, they should be in the conversation, even though the Cardinals yeah, you know, like uh, like they like you know they're gonna be hard to beat as well. No, no, Cardinals legit. That, that game in December, you know, with Kyler Murray coming AT and T Stadium, that's that's gonna be a bomb burner. But that's just it. You you're right because they're playing so well the quarterback, but so is Tampa, so is Arizona, so is Green Bay. You know, so, you know, Matt Stafford and Rams, you know, there are a lot of quarterbacks who are playing lights out, who are being difference makers for their team. And so they got to stop beating themselves. The, 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 the Connor Williams penalties, the holding penalties, all the other stuff, they can't continue to, over, I mean, continue to overcome that. It's interesting to me because, and Jacques and I kind of talked about this earlier, this team seems to feel different, but, you know, somebody as a Cowboys fan, which everybody knows that I am, you know, you look at the 07 team that started out at 5-1, and one, and you look at the, what was it, the Dax rookie year, the 2016 team that was also 5-1, and one, oddly enough, going into the bye week. Does this team feel different than those, than those two teams, which are probably the best teams we've seen in the last decade plus, both finishing 13-3? and three? Does this version of the Cowboys feel different than those two? Yes, it, because this team has room to get better. Those teams peaked early. Those teams were at, at their maximum midseason. You know, they were playing the best football midseason. I remember when Dak went up to and they won in Green Bay. That was such a, you know, huge win. You know, what can they do next? But but this team is better. That 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 sixteen team number one was um you know, that was a you know, run oriented Dak bus driver type team, you know, and, and we we still you know, the defense still was wasn't great. Uh this team plays certainly complimentary football offensive, you know, on both as a run in the pass. Uh, the defense is, is certainly uh, opportunistic and, again, has a chance to get better. You go back to the 07 team, I think that, again, I think that team peaked and, and, and got full of themselves. And, and you certainly, you know, with, with the trip to Cabo was, was certainly evidence of that. This team has better chemistry. It has better it has better chemistry. Number one, that was the T.O., uh, Romo, Witten, all that other stuff going on in that team as well, if you, if you go back. But Back's this team has better. <laughs> this team. <laughs> This team has better chemistry, and whether you think chemistry is important, they like each other. They're they're so unselfish. You know, the receivers are so unselfish. You know, uh, you know they they do feel like a true brotherhood. Uh, to, to go along with with the fact that I think that they have better coaches on on both sides of the ball. You know, uh, certainly the coordinators are better on this team than '07 and certainly '16. Uh, and again, the players are better. You know, and, and you know, this receiving core, you know, yeah, that was T.O. and all those guys, but this receiving core is better. It's just this tight end group, this running back group is better than 07 and 16. And then you go on the defense side of the ball, and they have not had a player in the secondary that turned the ball over since Deion Sanders, and they, they, they got that. And, and then you add in what Randy Gregor is doing at, at, at pass rush right now. My God, he's looking every bit of DeMarcus Ware coming off that edge. And then you can you can't deny adding in Demarcus Lawrence coming back. No, I think uh, I think you made the best point when you say because we remember those teams really peaking, especially the 2017. They really peaked with the Monday night win over Green Bay that gave them home field, and the season was over kind of in their mind after that game. Uh, this team, you know, they could look at New England and say that, oh my God, we we were really good, but we still got so much work to do, and they got those guys coming back, and the fact that I think. Guys like Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons 
would be better. Even Randy Gregory, man, because he hasn't really played all that much football. No, he's just, be... he just scratching the surface, baby. Yeah. He's just scratching uh, the surface. He, it's awesome. And they still got hills to climb. I mean, no matter how Kansas City is, going to Kansas City and getting the win there, that would be a huge, again, check mark for this team. You know, going to New Orleans and getting the win Thursday after Thanksgiving, that would be a huge check marking for this team. You know, that's, you know, the division may be over, but there's still going to be things that you're going to be measuring stick for this team that, that's out there uh, that you need to surpass and improve because, you know, it's not about next year anymore. It's, it's about now. This team can win now. You know, it's not about growing and building. It's about maximizing the opportunity to win right now because next year ain't promised. Now, it's about winning the Super Bowl right now, at least competing to get there right now. Yeah. Uh, and, now and really, for the first time in a long time, I, I think even more than in 07, you, you kind of felt it. But, you know, that was, you know, one year after Romo came on the scene and, and everything else. And I, I think that, that they're, legitimate, they're more legitimate hopes this year than have been since back in the night. It feels that way. I mean, I, it, it feels like, and I think one of the – I buy into chemistry a lot. I think that that goes a long way, and it feels like this team just has that kind of vibe as a unit. Yeah. Okay, why does it, it feel that way, T? Who, you, who cares? You? Nobody. I mean, you, you, you lost to Tampa, but you know you went toe-to-toe in Tampa. You know you should have won that game. Yeah. That was week one, and you, were, and you weren't even hitting on all cylinders yet. You're a better team now than you were week one. I think they can play with anybody, but, but yeah, I mean, I – I don't know that that vibe. Like you see the the way that they are and, and everything about Dak. Dak just and I've believed in Dak since he came into the league, but I think they've got a guy that can win a Super Bowl, and I and I think that that energy radiates through the team, and it starts with him. I mean, it, it, it's just that he's just so unfazed and, and, and just so in the moment and, and so calm in situations, and just like in New England. I mean, he, he does not get flustered. Third and twenty-five, Dak is not flustered. He's calm. It just things just slow down for him, you know. And and I, I just think that that's part of who he is. It's part of his makeup, you know. And 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 you go back to Tony, and you know, when, when in those big moments, you know, let's, let's be honest, you know, you're starting, you know, you're, it's in your DNA to a certain extent. But you know, he was a wonderful player, but he dropped a snap in in in, in Seattle, you know, and, and and had some interceptions in key moments. Dak has not done that. You know, when they lost games, it wasn't because he cratered down the stretch. You know, when they lost, you know, his rookie year, I mean, he played Aaron Rodgers toe-to-toe. Now, he probably played better than Aaron Rodgers. You know, so his defense, they give up, you know, his defense gave up a third and 31. <laughs> Damn. But it wasn't because Dak cratered in the playoffs. Right. He gave him the lead. <laughs> I mean, you know, it wasn't because he cratered in the playoffs. I mean, he rose to the occasion. Yeah. I mean, it, it's – it's exciting. Yeah, I think Cowboy Nation tries not to get overwhelmed with this because, again, it feels like, okay, we, we've seen this before and it's cool to get to the playoffs, but there's that hunger to get to more. But I don't know. I just I, I believe that this is their best shot at getting to a Super Bowl, like you said, Chill, probably since the mid-'90s. Oh, there's no question about that. And, and I guess now, you know, because we, we, we always have something to complain about, and so now the complaint is Mike McCarthy. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, you got you, you can never feel good, never can be feel satisfied. You always got to have something to believe. And now, well, you know, they got to overcome Mike McCarthy this his game management and all that other stuff. And I, and I, I will tell you that people are questioning Bill Belichick's game management right now, this week after what he did last Sunday. Yeah, you know, you know, kneeling on the ball at the end of the first half and and some different things. I mean, 
it happens with all coaches. No one is perfect with that. You know, and, and you know, we, we, the Cowboys fans need something mythic right now, and Mike McCarthy is not the problem. Oh, on the record, Mike McCarthy is not the problem. He's not. And, and, and really, he's part of the reason why they've had so much success. No one wants to give him credit. You know, you you, you got to understand, he's the center of our, he set it all up. He's the one that sets the tone for this organization, you know, and, and uh, again, people don't want to give him credit, but he is part of the reason why they've had success and why they've been successful. Why they're five and one? That's on his ledger. Well, I think that's the quote you got to pull out tomorrow, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I think that's fair. I mean, you, you can't just rip Mike McCarthy nonstop all the time and then look at it and go, I mean, he's the head coach of a five and one team. He's obviously done something right. Oh, I know, man. I'm just messing with y'all because if he was one and five, we'd sure be ripping him. Well, we'd be, <laughs> so. he'd be fired. <laughs> so if you five oh, and God, one. He'd be- He'd be he'd be walking the plank like Wade Phillips at one and six. If he was one and five, yes, he'd be walking the plank already. It's bye week too. Oh yeah, he'd be walking the plank at the bye week. Yeah, I mean it, it, that would be complete. But they're not. They're five and one, and they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And they're five and one. And now everybody's everybody's now the, the the narrative is you know they're gonna fire Mike McCarthy to keep Kellen Moore because they can't can't let Kellen Moore slip out the door. That's Stop. not Kellen happening. Kellen Moore ain't never been a head coach. We have no idea whether he'd be good or bad at it. <laughs> You're right. That, that, that's not happening. And, and, and okay. Kellen Moore, God bless him, he gets one of his 32 jobs, and he should. But but the, the key to the Cowboys' success is number four. Well, as long as they have number four, they will be fine. I guess we'll just watch the next Sean Payton and Sean McVay walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how it works? <laughs> that is how it works. I mean, you know, it's like you you you, you can belabor Sean Payton. <laughs> would you have fired Bill Parcells to keep Sean Payton? No, no. I'll tell you, man, you know, come on. You, we, we can second-guess that all you want to, but you weren't firing Bill Parcells to keep Sean Payton. No, no. Of course not. And, and I mean, look, reality of it is, if they go to the NFC title game this year, you can give McCarthy a 20-year deal and I'm good. <laughs> yes, and, 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 and the reality of it is, just like with Bill Belichick, it's about the quarterback. If Sean Payton doesn't fall into Drew Brees, if, if 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 the people in in Miami don't decide that hey, Drew Brees ain't good enough for us, and he just goes, to, you know, they get, give him to to uh, to uh, New the Orleans. Saints. You know, we might not be talking about Sean Payton in the same light because you know what, you change quarterbacks is not the same team. Just like Bill Belichick is finding out, and the Cowboys will find out the same thing. You can keep you can keep Kellen Moore you want to, but if you don't have Dak Prescott, it won't be the same thing. Fair enough. Clarence Hill Jr. as always, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for the time. No problem, guys. Appreciate you guys. All right. There he is. You can read him in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Of course, brought to you by Soda Weight Loss. We're going to talk a little Mavs, and we're also going to let you know about Freeway Tire Shop. Jacques can tell you better than anybody. I mean, if you are looking for a mechanic you can trust, JR and his guys, you walk and you go, JR, Jacques's been telling me all about you on the Jam Session podcast. Which one of these vehicles is his? You can pretty much do that. <laughs> if you do it today, you'll say he'll say, oh, it's that maroon jag over there that's been giving me problems for a long time. Uh, but JR is great, man. And I, I, I send my cars to JR for one reason, one reason only. You can, trust, you can trust him. That's what you want a mechanic, man. You can trust him to diagnose the problem. You can trust him to use quality parts to fix the issue. You can trust him to give you a fair price, and then you can trust him to stand behind his work and guarantee his work, man. It doesn't really get any better than that. I'm just going to tell y'all, uh, the level of the range jag has been jacked up for like six weeks. And here's the thing. It'll just stop with no rhyme or reason. You're just driving. It just stops. Mm. 
And Jr. came to the house. He picked it up and he said, "I'm gonna keep it until it stops on me." Now you know it didn't stop on him until just the other day. Right. And, and so yeah. finally, I mean, he's been driving all the time. It never stopped on him. All of a sudden, it stopped on him. He said, "Okay, I got a feel for what it is now. We're going to get to work." But that's what I'm talking about in, t- in terms of commitment to excellence. It doesn't take any good to say, "Well, I don't know what it is. Just take it back." No, I'm gonna keep it. Until I can figure out what it is, because it doesn't do me any good to give it back to you until it's fixed. That's incredible, man. I mean, that, that is honestly absolutely incredible. And that's the level that we are talking about of customer service, of excellence that you only get at Freeway Tire Shop. You can go online to request a quote, schedule an appointment. They do it all from mechanical work to tires to oil inspection, oil inspection, oil change, state inspection, whatever your car need may be. Get over there to JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop online. Schedule your appointment. Request a quote at FreewayTireShop.com. These Dallas Mavericks, by the time all of you listen to this, we will know what it looks like when they play Atlanta. Now, I'll just give you a hint. I did play this game on my NBA <laughs> 2K22. Did Lucas score 100 this time? Um, no, not quite. He had 84, and he had 43 assists. And uh, let's see, KP had, I think, like 17 blocks and 20-something rebounds. And Dallas won the game. I'm trying to remember, is it one, like 190 to 110 or something like that? So I like, I like our chances. And, and I have to tell you, any time that I get a chance to play Atlanta, they, they are going to become my Philadelphia Eagles of the NBA. Really? And why is that? Why, why because of Trey Young. I don't okay. like Trey Young because I want Luca to be better than him, and I don't want people to get confused that Luca is the better player than Trey Young. I think most people know. I mean, do they? Because he, I don't think that Trey Young knows. Well, he's not supposed to know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's biased toward his own skill set. I will allow him that. But uh, no matter how good he is, he's not going to be Luca because at the end of the day, he's still six foot and Luca's six nine. Exactly. And, and, and you look at this and, you know, the reality of it is, and I remember this was a thing last year because the Hawks made the run to the conference finals. The team that they have built around Trey Young, the management and the upper management in, in Atlanta has absolutely run circles around what they've done building a team around Luka here in Dallas. That's part of the reason why that front office is no longer here. That's very I'm, true. I'm serious. No, you're right. I'm I know. serious. I know. There's a reason why they're not here. Um, see, they took Trey Young, and we all, especially the first year, like, what the hell did y'all do? Yeah, did you lose your mind? What's the deal? They took Trey Young to be Steph Curry, because the guy who used to be an assistant GM, I think, with the Warriors, was the GM, is the GM with the Hawks, and he saw Trey Young. He goes, "There's my Steph Curry, and I'm gonna build a team around him like I would build, like the the Warriors were being built." All I'm saying is he had a plan when he drafted him what he wanted his team to look like. I honestly don't think the Mavericks, Donnie Nelson, much as I like him, Rick Carlisle, much as I like him, I don't think they had a real plan for what they wanted to build the team around Luka to look. They ran into, into a Porzingis and said, oh, there's an all-star player. Let's grab him. But they didn't have a plan for how they wanted the team to look. Yeah, it didn't seem like they did, and – I hope that, you know, look, it's, we kind of had this conversation the other day, like, what did you want them to do? Everybody wanted them to go out, well, they need to sign that next, I mean, who did you want them to get? And so they, they went with Tim Hardaway Jr., who seems to have fit with Luka decently enough, and we mentioned some of the guys they picked up, and the hope is you've got guys who can operate and catch and shoot opportunities better, and it sounds like Jason Kidd is going to make this less of, well, it's Luka and that's it. All right. 
And hopefully that will come to fruition. Is it going to be on display in game one against Atlanta tonight? I have no idea. I don't know how long it's going to take for this thing to gel, for this thing to get comfortable. But, you know, we kind of mentioned this, that this is the year of expectation. You've It's cool, neat. I mean, we've had a couple of really fun, great playoff series with the Clippers. It's time to get this thing over the hump. And, and honestly, the Mavs need to do this because you, Luka needs to know that he can win here. Yeah, and uh, I think now this this is a year to do it. I think the biggest difference you see with Jason Kidd is Jason Kidd has, uh, from what you've read and what you've, you've seen of his team, he's got a real commitment to defense. Uh, and they'll be a much better defensive team. How much better? Who knows? But they'll be a better defensive team. I think Rick talked a lot about it but was never committed to it. And Without a certain level of defense, you can only go so far because you can't get a stop when you need a stop. I think the goal for this team is to be able to get a stop when they need a stop. Yeah, and, and you know, I like this. I, I hope that Dallas can get on a level because I'd like to see some Dallas-Atlanta NBA Finals series. Oh, you, my. You know, they had Luca and, and Trey Young were on the cover of the Sports Illustrated basketball preview issue, and I, I tweeted out a picture because it came in the mail for me yesterday. And there, there's a lot of talk about these guys, and they're always going to be linked together because of that trade and because of – how their careers go, but how their teams go as well. And, and so far, Atlanta has been the better team overall in their very young careers than Dallas has been. That's no fault of Luca's, as we've kind of explained. But I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of this. The West, as I mentioned the other day, I mean, no matter where you go, you can kind of look around the landscape of the people who cover the NBA for a living. And you look at this, and it's, it's basically all for the most part, Lakers. As a matter of fact, you know, Tim McMahon in his Western Conference Finals prediction has the Nuggets over the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. There are, God, there's, how many people is this? There's 16 people that cover the NBA for ESPN. 10 of them picked the Lakers to win the West. Three picked the Jazz. McMahon's the only guy who picked the Nuggets. There was one Suns and one Warriors pick. Means it's wide open, baby. Yeah, so one of five teams, but most people, I mean, the, the Lakers are the overwhelming favorite to emerge out of the Western Conference. Much like in the East, the Nets are the overwhelming favorite to emerge out of the Eastern Conference. So it, it, we'll see how it goes. But I, I think the Mavs are very capable of surprising some people. And the reality of it is, if you can get Luka healthy into the playoffs, and you can get yeah. Chris Stapps healthy into the playoffs. Luca has demonstrated, if nothing else, he is a as good as he is in the regular season. Whew. He is dominant level, unstoppable in the playoffs. True that, true that. But you got to get everybody else around him at that level. And I don't know, man. I mean, this is a big year for Chris Stapps Porzingis because he was supposed to be that guy. I mean, he's supposed to be the dude who's your number two your legit number two, and there's been a lot of the times, and we've talked about this in, in the past, is he a is he really the complimentary number two piece that can function with Luca? Here's the here's the answer right now. Maybe maybe he is skill wise, but health wise he's not. No, and he's he gotta be healthy. He ha yeah. you, you have to show that you can be healthy. And and here we are, we're in the third year of that five year contract. And I wonder if it doesn't work this season if Chris Stapps Porzingis is on this team at the beginning of the 2022 season? See, I would say no, but what? You still got to have somewhere to move him in his... Right, right, yeah. 
and this is what is thirty million dollars salary, yep. forty million dollars salary. You still got a place. You still got to have a landing spot for it. So you can try to get rid of them if you want to, and you can because you can always trade anybody. But you're trying to get more than pennies on a dollar if you get rid of them for the investment that you've made, and that's the tricky part right there, bro. It is. It's the very tricky part, and and I don't know the answer to that right now. We don't need to know. The hope is that Chris Stapps can can ball out. We'll see, but. You know, this is a Mavs team that won 43 games a couple of years ago in the shortened season. And then last year, of course, they only played 72 games and went 42 and 30, which if you look at it, probably in an 82 game season, they would have won somewhere in the neighborhood of 48, maybe 49 games. They haven't won 50 games since 2015. Is this a team that can get in that conversation of winning 50 plus games we'll see if they can do that then they'll be a top four seed in the west and a top four seed in the west you get that home first round playoff series and maybe you can make some noise and and, and we'll see what comes of it but i'm excited i'm, I'm stoked i'm going to watch the game tonight and i'm stoked to get some luca action that's not a video game and <laughs> i don't know man there is something about it of, of just playing with him on that on on 2k and i mean i lead the nba Let's see, in my NBA 2K season, and I haven't played them all. I simulate some of them. Right. I'm 32 games into the season. Luca's averaging 44 points a game and 14 assists a game <laughs> and like eight rebounds a game. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, I bet it is. That is pretty good. The 44 points is probably a little high, but you know what? I don't think the assist is that outrageous if you got guys around him that can hit open shots. All right. Hey, bro, it's your world, baby. We just living in it. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Let's check in with our ESPN NFL insider brought to you, as always, by Medea from Scratch. It is Edward joining us here. And, Ed, we were kind of joking about it for a second there. But Deshaun Watson, it, it sounds like the conversations between Houston and Miami are heating up quite a bit. And they're going to make a serious play to see if they can bring in Deshaun Watson. What, what do you know about that situation with him? Well, I don't know how much um, truth there is. Obviously, the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, is 81 years old, and he has expressed an affinity for Sean Watson, and his team's in the middle of a five-game losing streak. Uh, you know, the, the general manager and the head coach that he hired two years ago haven't produced the results that were expected. They're, they've lost five straight games. Tua uh, has not been, for a sustained period of time, you know, a top quarterback. And, but, but I think a lot of this information is being leaked out of the Texans organization to try to stimulate trade interest ahead of the November 2nd deadline. Um, I just can't, I mean, I was there a couple weeks ago. And so I did some reporting on the Deshaun Watson situation and everybody that I talked to at the time was saying that they didn't think that the new general manager, Nick Casario, um, um, was really serious about trading Deshaun Watson. Like, he still hadn't decided whether that was the best thing to do. And under the circumstances, I just can't – I have a hard time imagining a team is going to give up multiple first-round picks and multiple second-round picks, not knowing what Deshaun Watson's ultimate status is going to be and, you know, whether the league investigation is going to produce results that would justify him being suspended – whether he might be, you know, have legal issues with the 22 accusations made against him. Uh, but I do know this. I do know that his team, his, his representation team, 
does not believe that the mere fact that he gets traded changes his status with the league as far as, as they understand it right now, he's eligible to play. If he wanted to play and the Texans wanted to play him, he could play. Not on the commissioner's exempt list where many people think he ultimately will end up. And the, the Deshaun Watson people do not believe there's justification if he gets traded to the Dolphins for the league to suddenly intervene and say, well, now you're on the commissioner's exempt list because you're close to playing. They feel like that can only happen if there is new evidence to substantiate uh, that kind of move by the NFL. So I think there's a lot to sort out in a very little amount of time. And it's just hard for me to conceive of, in this climate, a team making a major move as good a player as Deshaun Watson is not knowing his availability for this year and beyond. I'm also curious how you could make that. I mean, if, if your goal was this year, how you think you could get a guy who hadn't played in a minute, bring him into a new organization, integrate him in at quarterback, and have any success at this stage of the season? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a trade you're making for the long term. I mean, the guy's 25 yeah. years old, and he's won multiple division championships in Houston. I think three, if I'm correct, as the starting quarterback. Uh, he's a franchise-type player. I mean, what we thought of him a year ago right now is we thought he was one of the best players in all of football. He, he was the... He went into the league the season as a reigning passing champion. He threw for more yards than anybody in the league last year. So he's a franchise-type quarterback, but I just can't imagine the backlash there's going to be in whatever city he next emerges in. Um, and there's the reality that he's probably going to have to serve a suspension of some length at uh, before he ever gets back on the field again, even despite what I just said about them believing that he's eligible to play immediately. We, we saw a rumor yesterday that if this were to happen, that they might be trying to work out something with Washington where Tua would go to Washington. Guys that cover Washington shot that down, said they hadn't heard anything like that. But is this a situation where we're about to see potentially Tua turn into the next Josh Rosen-type quarterback? Where he goes as a top-10 pick and then gets mm. – well, he's in his second year, though, already, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Rosen didn't even make it. He only made it through his rookie year, and then he got dealt, and that was a historic move. Mm -hmm. uh, I do not think the Dolphins would let Tua stand in the way of acquiring somebody they deem to be a better quarterback, and Watson would certainly qualify for that under normal circumstances. But again, these are not normal circumstances. And you know what? It's, we, we've now seen big-name quarterbacks move, and the expectation or there's some possibility that after this season, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, could all move on. So do you want to take yourself out of pursuing one of those guys to go get Deshaun Watson and his unresolved future? I'm not sure I would. I wouldn't. <laughs> it's too many <laughs> questions. It's just too many questions, man. You have no idea what you're getting. Right. That's, that's what I know. think, but strange things happen in the NFL, and maybe Houston's not really you know, demanding what the published reports suggest that they're demanding. Maybe they've lowered their price, and maybe now that if the price would justify taking that risk. But that's the other thing I was told was that the league is not really letting teams that are interested in Deshaun Watson know what the ultimate outcome is likely to be. They're not sharing a lot of information. It's mostly like, hey, if you want to trade for him, you do it at your own peril. Let's look at the Cowboys. As, as they head into their bye week and, and the big win, we kind of talked about this last week, you know, some of that confidence, you beat Bill Belichick, you're on the road, you're in New England and all that type of thing. But – 
they've now won five in a row. And, and this is a five and one team that is one of the better teams in the NFL. But heading into the bye week, how do you like this Cowboys team? Where do you see this headed as this Cowboys team sits at five and one atop the NFC East? Well, I think uh, a lot of questions have been answered in the affirmative as far as, you know, for Dak Prescott, his health, his ability to, you know, play the quarterback position at a high level coming off uh, the major injury that he suffered last year and missing 11 games. Those questions have, have completely gone away. He's one of the top two or three players in the entire game at his position. Um, I think our the other concern would have been, you know, hey, Zeke Elliott, is he kind of, you know, on the downside of his career, like we see so many running backs, you know, at an early age. Uh, I think he's answered that question. He, there's no reason to be concerned about what Ezekiel Elliott could do. And then defensively, uh, they've exceeded every expectation we had for them. I don't know that there's still a great defense, but the turnovers have allowed them to conceal their flaws to the point that it hasn't cost them a game yet. It may ultimately cost them a game, but – you know, I think they have a playmaker at every level on the defense. Uh, if you'd have told me that they would do this without uh, Demarcus Lawrence and without Gallimore at defensive tackle, um, I would have been very surprised uh, by that. So uh, I think this team in, in its first six weeks of the season has totally exceeded expectations. And they've already basically won the division as long as Dak stays healthy. I think they're one of the top five teams in the NFC. Now, it's not going to be easy to get to the Super Bowl you know, through the teams that they still have to pass, and they've already lost to one of those teams, Tampa Bay. Um, you know, the Rams are good. Uh, I don't know that Green Bay is as good as they've been the last two years when they've gone to the championship game, uh, especially defensively. You know, they haven't had Ladarius Smith, so the pass rush hasn't been what it was. They lost Jair Alexander the corner. We don't know how long he's out. Um, but I think the Cowboys have definitely convinced me, and I think most people, most objective audiences, that they're one of the top, three or four, you know, Super Bowl competitors in the NFC as long as they have their quarterback. What do you think the win at New England did for this team? You know, I think it was really substantial, and I think they were pretty convinced that they were going to win because talking to players last week going into the game, they were talking about that it was a big game. They weren't saying, now oh, this is one of 17. They were saying, no, this is a big game for us. We need to go, we need to go somewhere on the road and win a game. You know, we did it against the Chargers, and we need to do it against this team, against you know, the winningest coach in the place where a lot of Super Bowl banners are hanging. And even though you don't have to beat Brady and Belichick on the same day, um, beating Belichick is still an accomplishment. And they had to earn it. It wasn't easy. And they didn't they, they didn't play flawlessly. They still scored 35 points. Um, and, you know, Dak had this incredible game. Basically had the same game plan ultimately forced on him this time um, that, they, that they took willingly to Tampa Bay and they executed it up well enough to beat this team because they had a younger quarterback who couldn't score like against their defense like Tom Brady could week one. Um, so I, yeah, I think I think it meant a lot to those guys that they that they beat Belichick and they won at Gillette in Foxborough in a hostile situation, um, and in this, and they won the game at the end two different times really. When you look elsewhere around the NFL, because I'm curious, you, you know, you named a couple of teams obviously, and there's a handful of very good teams in the NFC. How much do you buy into Arizona sitting at 6-0? and They've knocked off Tennessee. They beat the Rams. They beat the Niners. But then again, we're talking about a team that with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, they haven't made the playoffs in their first two years in the league that still doesn't have that playoff seasoning. Can you buy Arizona being a team that can make a run this year? 
Yeah, and I left them out, and I probably shouldn't have. They're the last undefeated team in football. <laughs> right, um, yeah. and, and they should beat the Texans this week. Uh, we know J.J. Watt's going to be very motivated for that game, and, and DeAndre Hopkins will be very motivated for that game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the Cardinals are the first team since the 2007 Patriots to win their first four road games by double digits. And wow. only the 16th since the merger to do that. So they've already, they've already played on the road four times and won. Um, and, you know, I think, I think some of the things that they talked about, like, and they won without their coach last week against Cleveland, and Cleveland was a playoff team last year. Um, but some of the things they talked about with Kyler Murray as far as, you know, not having him run as much, I think have, have actually, that's been a real, real reality for them this year. Um, uh, you know, he ran like he was 36 percent of the rushing offense last year, and it's down to 14.8 percent now. And they're still averaging over 130 yards rushing a game. So, I do think they've got balance, and, and they do have a, a dynamic defense that's uh, you know created a lot of turnovers. And I think they have a lot of veteran leadership on that team. And you know, one of the things Kingsbury told me, I covered them week two when they won at Tennessee. One of the things Kingsbury said that was interesting to me was. You know, this is a chance for Kyler really to take over the team because, you know, you don't have Patrick Peterson there anymore. You don't have Larry Fitzgerald there anymore. And so there's a leadership and a veteran void that he can naturally fill now. And I think we've seen him do that. And I think it was no small thing when J.J. Watt had all these different teams pursuing him and he went to Arizona. And part of the reason he went to Arizona was because he believed in Kyler Murray as a quarterback. I was trying to figure out why they were so good and he wasn't running the ball as much because I was looking at his stats well, last week. Yeah, uh, but, well, one of the things is, you know, they haven't turned the ball over. They, they've right. got the third fewest turnovers in the league, so they, they're not beating themselves. He's only thrown – Kyler Murray's only thrown four interceptions and none in the last three games, and he hasn't lost a fumble all year. And we've, we've seen in Dallas how important the turnover margin is. We've always known it was important. Um, but now both of these teams, the Cowboys – and the Cardinals are on the plus side by a wide margin. That makes winning a lot easier and a lot more likely, even when you're playing on the road. You know, you, you mentioned uh, uh, one of the teams, obviously, that they beat earlier in the year, the Tennessee Titans, and, and you look over there in the AFC. That, I thought, was interesting on Monday night, the win that Tennessee had to knock off Buffalo, who, who I thought was the best team in the AFC. Tennessee wins, but the way Tennessee's doing it is really interesting because Derrick Henry has a chance to do something we've never seen, which is consecutive 2,000-yard rush seasons. One guy with two 2,000-yard rush seasons. How do you like Tennessee over there in the AFC as, as the way they're doing it so much differently than the airing out philosophy that we see a lot of teams go for? Yeah, you know, the, the problem with the way they do it is it's going to be hard to consistently score a lot of points. Um, I, I thought the play-action game would be a big part of what they've, they've done, and, and bringing in Julio Jones and having him with A.J. Brown would make a big difference. They have two big – I mean, that's what they're all about. They're all about just physically, you know, beating you uh, weekly. And, you know, nobody wants to stand in there and tackle, you know, Derrick Henry 35 times a game, and that's what defenses are faced with. And that's what Kansas City faces this week. And Kansas City's not the team that they've been. I still think Baltimore is probably a better team, and I still think even though Buffalo lost, I think Buffalo is a more well-rounded team that has more ways to win than Tennessee does. Um, but I was impressed with what Tennessee did against Buffalo. You know, I think the, the flaw that the Bills have is their red zone offense. Uh, they're one of the worst eight teams in the league in red zone offense. It's over the Cowboys, by the way. Uh, yeah. Everybody around them in that ranking is a bad team with losing records. 
except for Buffalo and Dallas, like 56%, you know, uh, red zone touchdowns. Um, the teams that are winning consistently, like Dallas and Buffalo have been doing, generally have, uh, you know, conceded on like 65, 70% uh, of their red zone opportunities. The Cowboys got beat in Tampa Bay partly because they didn't execute in the red zone, and they almost got beat in New England because they didn't execute in the red zone. Hey, I'm curious, man. What do you think about Baker Mayfield? Uh, as far as him being injured or no, what I'm I sorry, like Baker long. Mayfield? I'm talking about long, long term. Like I don't know if I can pay Baker Mayfield the kind of money that franchise quarterbacks get. Yeah, but in, um, I mean, unless you're going to get one of these other guys we mentioned earlier, uh, unless you're going to get you know Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr um, or somebody like that, uh, Russell Wilson, and we haven't heard any of those names mentioned with Cleveland. Then, then I and what what better alternative do you think you have? Yeah, um, that's the I mean, problem. Baker Baker's won there. He he got him in the playoffs. They they've had to put a very good team around him. Uh, you know, they they're another team like Tennessee that emphasizes the running game, uh, and they've got two outstanding runners. Uh, they they're not going to have either one of them tonight. They're not going to have Baker tonight. Um, yeah, that's that's a really tough call. And I know people kind of the experts have gone both ways on it. You really want to invest, you know, forty million uh, guaranteed in, in Baker Mayfield. I just don't know that Cleveland has a better option. And he made for the streak snaps tonight. Made fifty-one consecutive starts, um, and and I think they've created an offense around him where he could be an effective winning player. So, you know, unless you have a better option, I I think you have to take. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that because I don't know what else you would do, and they they seem to like his mentality. They they seem to like. His, however he leads or whatever that is that he has, they seem that that seems to fit with Cleveland for some reason. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, I think he he doesn't he doesn't have to win the game himself. He doesn't have to be the star. He's willing to be a game manager. Um, I mean, he does. He certainly contributes to winning, but he doesn't do it. You know, he doesn't do it statistically and stylistically like we see the top quarterbacks in football do it. But he doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, you know, he's been pretty durable for a guy his size. He, I mean, he's been playing with a partially torn labrum to this point. Then he had that, you know, got tackled in that awful way last week and dislocated his shoulder again. He wanted to play this week. I think he probably would have played if they were not on a short week. Um, right. So I think you have to give him a lot of credit for that. If you don't have a better option, then you just got to sign the guy. I mean, Cleveland, how long has Cleveland been trying to find a quarterback? Yeah, that's nobody, that's nobody tried to find a quarterback, you know, harder than well, you know what you first round that pick. May, that may be the best point you make because it's probably Brian Sipe in the late eighties. I think Sipe was the last one who started more than fifty-one consecutive games. That's what Incredible. I mean. What Baker had started before tonight. So I mean, you well remember those fans going, you know, to the games wearing the jersey with the name crossed out across the template, the nameplate, yeah. and they've got the next <laughs> yeah, guy right. listed all the way down to the ground and beyond. You know. That's true. You know, you, you bring this up, Ed, just talking about Cleveland's search for a franchise quarterback. Of the rookie quarterbacks, and I believe all of them are starting now since Justin Fields is in, is there one that you see that you like the most? I know we're only six games in, but is there one that you, you're sold on yet? I guess, I guess I like Mac Jones the best of mm. the guys that I've seen. Um, we haven't really seen Trey Lance, and he was a guy who – you know, I think he only had 318 college passing attempts, the fewest ever for a quarterback drafted in the first round. And now he's, I mean, he starts one game for Jimmy Garoppolo and he gets hurt. You know, he, he's uh, he's got a knee injury that he's probably not going to be able to play this week. You know, Zach Wilson, kind of hard to say. 
uh, forced to play right away for a really bad team and, you know, where a lot of franchise quarterbacks have failed in New York. Um, you know, Justin Fields, they weren't in a hurry to get him on the field. And, and I think we see now why that was as much criticism as the Bears took for that move. Well, I have to say, I, I think Mac Jones will ultimately prove to be in the next five years the most successful of those guys because I think he's got the best offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. And I think he's got a, an organization that's going to put good players around him on both sides of the ball. All right. Ed Werder, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Thanks for, all, uh, for so much for doing this. Hey, good to talk to you guys. Enjoy it every week. All right, Ed. We'll talk yeah, to you man. soon. See you guys. All right, there he is. That is Ed Werder, as always, brought to you by Medea from Scratch. They do have those three locations, Grapevine, Plano, and Flower Mound. And don't forget, the holidays, I know it sounds crazy. We are about two months away from Christmas, so you know what that means. You're about a month out from all your holiday parties and your work outings and things like that. Let Medea from Scratch cater your holiday work outing or party. And if you happen to be getting married sometime in the near future, they also will do wedding catering. So keep them in mind. The food's fantastic. It's Medea from Scratch. Three locations, Grapevine, Plano, and Flower Mound. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.